Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Odds Movie Geek podcast. I'm your host, Pado. In this week's episode, I'll be reviewing three movies. The first is Fighting With My Family. I saw this one a while ago and recently picked it up on Blu-ray. And I guess I never got around to reviewing it when it initially came out. And I have noticed that quite a few people don't even know this movie exists. So I would really like to get into it and recommend it. I thoroughly enjoy this movie, so I will be getting into that one. Uh, The next movie I saw was Stuba, the uber-based comedy uh, that came out last week as well. I have a fair bit to say about that one, so we'll break that down as well. And the third movie I saw was Crawl, the alligator horror film directed by Alexander Arja and produced by Sam Raimi. So they're the three movies for the week. And let's just get stuck into them. So the first, like I said, I saw was Fighting With My Family. Uh, This film was directed by Stephen Merchant, also written by Stephen Merchant. Uh, He's a comedic actor known for many different projects. Uh, He works with Ricky Gervais quite a bit. So he is a prolific figure, I suppose, in British comedy. And I was looking forward to it when I saw his name attached because he hadn't directed anything before and I was interested to see what he could do. So that was interesting. Uh, the cast consists of Florence Pugh, Jack Loudon, Lena Haiti, Nick Frost, Vince Vaughn, and The Rock shows up for a bit of a cameo playing himself. And the plot follows a former wrestler and his family who make a living performing at small venues around the country while his kids dream of joining the WWE. This dream suddenly becomes reality when brother and sister Zach and Sarah are asked to try out for the WWE. So, like I said, uh, this movie came out a while ago, back in April, and I did initially see it when it came to the cinemas, but it was out of the cinemas really quickly, and not a lot of people were talking about it, so I was sort of interested to see what the praise was and the the stigma surrounding the film was. Uh, Being a WWE film as well, this could go one of two ways. It could be a self-promotion piece for the WWE, or it could be a thought a thoughtful and heartwarming biopic and I think that it's the latter. I uh, I really enjoy this movie. I think it's um it's funny, it's heartwarming. It has a lot of the similar beats that we know with this genre, but it does things slightly differently and Stephen Merchant's script is thoroughly entertaining and I think that's what separates it from other films of the genre. Uh, like I said, Stephen Merchant's writing uh, was fantastic. I, I, like I said, it's familiar, but it's also very, I suppose it's very unique as well. There's a lot of humour in here, and the humour plays very well. It's very specific to the situation and the characters, and that's what I liked about it. The performances are a lot of fun too. I like the cameos from the WWE stars. Uh, the Rock, I'm not a huge fan of The Rock, but The Rock is quite entertaining here, and I do like that he's taking the piss out of himself a bit. Big Show and Seamus turn up as well for a bit of a, a back and forth with each other. Um, but the lead performance from Florence Pugh, and I believe I'm saying that correctly, uh, she's turning up in Midsummer next month, which I cannot wait for, the Ariasta film, which I hear she's fantastic in. She's fantastic here as well. I, I think that she's very, she's very grounded, and I, I like that she's different. She plays off that whole, I suppose, character shift where we all expect her to be a certain person, but she doesn't conform to what the expectations of being a woman in the WWE is and that is the dolled up um, I suppose pretty girl and it breaks down that uh, that convention as well in the film which I enjoyed and addresses that too which I, I 
quite enjoyed it. It was done tastefully and it wasn't done forcefully, which is something that can take place, I suppose, when you're dealing with those sort of things. But I think that it was done very well. And I think Florence Pugh was fantastic. I really enjoyed her. Uh, Jack Loudon as well was fantastic. He plays Zach, the brother of uh, Florence Pugh's Sarah. And he's playing a character who, I suppose, he has the same dream as Sarah, but he doesn't progress to the next round of the selection into the WWE. So he's dealing with a lot of, a lot of jealousy, resentment, I suppose, as well. That his sister's following the dream that he had as well, but, you know, it, it's you've got to find the fine line between being proud of her, but also, you know, you're upset because you didn't get to do what you wanted to and you're seeing your sister uh, do what you wanted to do so i think he does that quite well and he toes that line very well like i said merchant's brand of humor is very refreshing in the genre it's energetic and fast-paced which i enjoyed the pacing of the film is quite good as well uh, time flies by quite quickly and i think that it whilst following many uh, story beats that we know from the comedy um, and biopic genres, there is a lot of, I suppose, um, dramatic aspects into the film as well. And like I said, it breaks down the conventions of the WWE and it's not really a promotional piece for the WWE. It's more of a, you know, we, we understand that wrestling's cheesy. We know that it's fake and it's choreographed and they, they break down all of that. And I really enjoyed it. And I like seeing the behind the scenes workings of this and, what these characters got up to as well outside of the world of wrestling and I think it was really really good and it shows that this family a lot of their lives have been based around wrestling so it, it is much ingrained into their personalities and their culture so I, I just really enjoyed the way that that was handled and yeah I, I just really enjoy this film and I think that because it is so different to what other films of the genre I suppose do as far as the most recent film that's similar to this uh, that comes to mind is actually Eddie the Eagle, directed by Dexter Fletcher. And that film follows a lot of the same sort of story beats, and it's a British comedy, actually, as well. And uh, a comedy biopic. And it, it follows those beats, but it does it in a way that I suppose is refreshing whilst also being similar. It's a, it's a very strange line to toe, but I think that similar to what Eddie the Eagle did, this film also does. The film isn't without negatives, though. I, I think that, the like I said, the story does hit a lot of familiar beats. Whilst being unique in certain aspects, it still does hit those biopic beats um, that we've all seen. But it didn't bother me as much as probably other films that do it um, do. I, I really enjoyed... That was a poorly phrased sentence. But I think that what the film does, it doesn't let these genre and story tropes pull the narrative down it still allows it to be its own thing and that's why i didn't mind as much that the the beats of the story were familiar and i think because of the perspective we're told this story from and the conflict within the family it just made it feel different and i I enjoyed that the film does have a very abrupt ending uh whilst the film had good pacing throughout it just ended very quickly the film ends after uh Paige slash Sarah makes it into the WWE and she has her first fight. It's She wins the fight. She says thank you to her family. Her and her brother have resolved their conflict and it just ends. And I, I would have liked another five minutes, maybe her returning to Norwich and 
seeing the people who influenced her to become this WWE superstar. It would have been nice, I think, for that to tie into the film. It, it would have given it, whilst it would have been sappy, it would have also given it a, a much more, I suppose, finality to the film. But like I said, um, I, I do thoroughly enjoy this movie and, and I really want more people to see it because a lot of people haven't seen it and uh, I, yeah, I thoroughly enjoy it. So my verdict for the film is fighting with my family may be cliched, but the undeniable heart makes it stand above the rest. Florence Pugh is fantastic and the story is sweet and enjoyable. The definition of a crowd pleaser and I gave that one an 8 out of 10. So check it out, guys, like I said, if you haven't already, because it is fantastic and it's very enjoyable. Um, I'm surprised it didn't make more money at the box office. Currently, I think it sits at $23 million domestically, which is kind of sad because I think it deserved a lot more than that. But yeah, that's the first film out of the way, guys. So the next one I saw was Stuba, the Uber-based comedy. Uh, this film was directed by Michael Dowes and stars Dave Bautista, Kamal Nunjani, Aiko Uweis uh, from... The Raid films, Karen Gillan and Jimmy Tatro from uh, The World According to Jimmy from YouTube, and most recently uh, American Vandal as well. The plot follows Detective Vic Menning, who recruits his Uber driver Stu into an unexpected night of adventure. Uh, this film was promoted a lot. Uh, when the trailer first came out, I thought it looked intriguing. I'm a huge fan of Kamal Nunjani, he's one of my favorite comedians at the moment. I loved his work in The Big Sick, his writing was fantastic, and I really liked his performance there as well. I've also enjoyed him in Silicon Valley and a lot of his stand-up. And I'm a big fan of Batista. I like what he offers outside of, I suppose, the Guardians of the Galaxy films. We've seen him do a few action uh, romps, but we've also seen him do, I suppose, more thought-provoking films like Blade Runner 2049, and he's working with Denis Villeneuve, again, the director of Blade Runner 2049 in Dune. So I like the direction he's taking with his career. And he's got a couple of comedies coming out, uh, very similarly, I suppose, themed comedies as well. Um, but Stuba was the first one, and I, I was intrigued. I, I just wanted a, a light-hearted comedy that I could just sit back and watch and enjoy. I didn't want anything, I suppose, you know, I, I didn't want anything thought-provoking out of a, a comedy called Stuba. I just wanted something that was enjoyable enough to watch and made me laugh. Sadly, this movie is not fantastic, and I do have quite a few issues with it, um, and I'll break them down, but yeah, let's get into a few positives first. I really enjoyed the two leads. I think Kanal Nunjani and Dave Bautista worked fantastic together. They were really, really great. They have undeniable chemistry, and they balanced each other out very well. Bautista's more of a stern, tough nut in this film, and Kamal, uh, Kamal's more of a you know, he, he's the fish out of water. He's thrown into this night of craziness and all he wants to do is maintain his five-star rating on Uber because otherwise he's going to lose his job. And I like the dynamic between the two of them and I really like the way they balanced each other out. I thought that those two together, I would love to see them do more together if this film somehow got a sequel, which I don't think it's going to because it looks like it's going to flop horrendously at the box office. But if it did, I would love to see these two again in a with a better written script. Uh, the general pro uh, plot and setup is fun and it's unique. It's different, which I enjoyed. Uh, the movie doesn't really utilize this though, and the premise feels like it takes a back seat halfway through the movie. There's a lot of setup as well to get to the uh, adventurous night as well. The film, I think, was about 18 minutes before Batista meets Ninjani's character, and I found that kind of irritating. I wish that they were, the setup was a bit quicker. 
we don't really care about the dramatic scenes. Batista um, loses his partner. Karen Gillan dies in the first 10 minutes. Spoiler alert, if you care. And yeah, he's pretty upset about that. And he's going after Aiko Uwais' character. And, you know, he's he can't see. That's a big part of the movie. He's gone in for eye surgery. So that's why he can't drive himself. And that's why he needs to take an Uber. And that's the general setup there. And I... I, I appreciate it for what it is but i think that a lot of the other setup with ninjani's character to be completely unnecessary and i did not enjoy it at all um he's starting up a business which is a women's spin class gym business with a girl called becca who he is madly in love with but she doesn't feel the same and she's dating a lakers player at the moment and it's just it's a trope we have seen so many times before and the setup is so cringy because we have seen this trope done so many times before and done better and it was just very irritating because it was following these story beats and cliches that we had seen 10 million times before and it was done poorly. And yeah, it, it was very irritating. I also thought the action um, was terrible as well. It looks like it was filmed with a fucking toaster. It was just garbage. The shaky cam and jump cuts, it was like I was watching one of the Taken sequels. It was just so irritating. It was, you know, the, the classic following... A, an action set piece the camera follows the characters but it's so out of focus because the the director obviously doesn't know how to film action it's not his forte so he doesn't know how to place the camera and how to move the camera with the movements of these two characters fighting uh aiko uis is a fantastic uh a, a physical actor he does a lot of his own stunts uh the stunts that he did in the raid were fantastic and mesmerizing so it was kind of disappointing not to be able to see him do something here because he's obviously doing his own stunts and acrobatics but we can't see any of it because of terrible shaky cam and jump cut sequences between characters that it just felt so lazy and it's something that really irritates me when action is filmed i get it this is a comedy it's not meant to be fantastic action sequences but when you're making an effort to have a chase sequence at the start of the film especially considering the scenes meant to be taken seriously we don't really have any form of tension or care for the characters because it looks fake and it looks awful. It's just poorly filmed and it really irritated me. Like I said, the plot, uh, whilst it was a good setup, the plot itself was idiotic. The double-crossing aspect of Batista's partner, Hiori's boss, who ends up double-crossing him to be working with this drug lord, it was so cliched and it was so predictable as well. When it happened, I completely forgot that this character existed in the film up until the ending as well. She disappears for a majority of the film and it was just very irritating as well. I don't know why that was even in the movie. It could have just been a cut cut and dry, very simple. He's just going after this one bad guy. We didn't need this plot device. Uh, the film sits currently at 93 minutes and I think there's about six minutes of credit, so just under an hour and a half of actual film. You could have cut out this plot device and even made the film shorter or added more jokes because there isn't a lot of humor in this film and that was another irritating aspect for me i just found that the humor fell completely flat i laughed twice in the theater and one time i was the only one laughing i don't know if it's because people didn't get the joke either or i was just grass uh well you know j just just trying to latch onto any joke or any thing of humor that i actually could because so many of the jokes rely on a lot of ad lib and some of the ad libs funny, but a lot of the jokes are actually 80 yard in as well. So they've obviously recorded the joke. The joke didn't work with test audiences. So they've re-recorded another joke over the top of it. A classic example is Nanjani's character is trying to work out how to text his love interest, uh, the girl 
that he wants to sleep with and he's going over different text messages to Sam. It initially starts as an internal thought. We don't see his mouth moving, but he's obviously thinking it. But then later it's cut back, it cuts back to him doing the same thing, but instead this time he's actually talking. So I think those initial couple of jokes were actually added in after in post-production because either they needed more jokes to fill out the film or they weren't happy with the jokes that were in the film, so they added more. And it just it's very noticeable. It happens a fair few times during the film. And I just found it very irritating because it felt lazy and obviously they weren't happy with the cut of the film because they've obviously gone back and added more jokes in post-production. So I found that kind of irritating as well. Like I said, the love interest in the film, um, it's very irritating. Um, I find this plot device a hindrance in any movie uh, when it doesn't really, it, it's cliche and it just follows the same formula every single fucking time. And I find that very irritating. But guys, Stuber isn't fantastic, but if you're looking for a comedy film of this nature, then maybe you'll enjoy it. Like I said, the two leads are fantastic together, and if it wasn't for them, this movie would have been near unwatchable. So if you want to see those two on screen together, then check it out. My verdict for the film is, whilst Ninjani and Batista have great chemistry and make a great duo, the blundering script and unfunny uh, blundering and unfunny script and poor action uh, hold Stuber back from being anything great. It's just a blunder of a summer comedy, which is very unfortunate. And I give Stuber a 4 out of 10. Do check it out, though, guys, if you want to. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. And, of course, uh, comedies are subjective. Comedy is very subjective. So, who knows? I could be just a miserable dick, but I did not enjoy this film. Next up, I saw Crawl, the Alexander Arja... Uh, Creature feature, I guess. Um, it's also produced, like I said in the intro, by Sam Raimi. The film stars Kaya Scaldaro and Barry Pepper, and the plot follows a young woman while attempting to save her father during a Category 5 hurricane finds herself trapped in a flooding house and must fight for her life against alligators and the flood. Um, the trailers for this film look quite cheesy, and I... I was kind of intrigued though because I hadn't heard anything of the film coming out and I saw that the film didn't screen for critics which is always a bad sign but I was still optimistic I suppose because Sam Raimi's name attached uh, Raimi's one of my favorite directors in Hollywood I actually love him uh, the Evil Dead films are two of the most or three if you include Army of Darkness as well are three of the most iconic horror films of all time Evil Dead 2 being one of my favorite movies of all time so I love Raimi and I love what I suppose he does for the horror genre. He's attached his name as a producer to quite a few films of recent which have been hit or miss. So again, I was optimistic but also cautious because the Poltergeist remake was not fantastic but Don't Breathe was fantastic. So there was those two films that he produced. And Alexander Arja is a director who when he first came out of the gates with The Hills Have Eyes... Everyone had their eyes on him. They were, no pun intended, they were all looking at him because that film was fantastic. It was lightning in a bottle. He remade a film that wasn't fantastic to begin with, but he made the remake something unique. And definitely that film has a cult following now, and I quite enjoy it. I think it's a great horror film. He then directed the tongue-in-cheek Piranha 3D, which was a remake again. And that film, it is what it is. I enjoy it, I suppose, uh, as a 3D summer 
uh, fuck around. It is fine to watch. There's nothing under the surface. It's just a tongue-in-cheek taking the piss out of itself, making fun of those uh, films, I suppose. It becomes like this gross exploitation film for a bit, but I enjoyed that. And I think Alexander Arja definitely was sitting there, I suppose, for a while and was probably thinking, I want to go back to my roots and do a genuine thriller horror film and chuck in some alligators and let's see what happens. And I am shocked to say that I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I thought it was very good. Um, I'll go through the positives of the film. The set design was fantastic. I really liked the environment. Uh, the flood water was really gross and you just see like things floating around and it felt very real and lived in. I really like... Um, the rising water aspect as well. It just provided a lot of attention. We know that there's a time frame. There's a, a flood. The flood's about to happen. Uh, the floodgates are going to release and they're trapped in the basement with gators. They've got to get out. So that's our general plot. And I really enjoyed it. And I think that the atmosphere that's created in the set design is, is really good. The characters as well were uh, really well set up. I really enjoyed the character dynamics. It's a cliche uh, to have the whole estranged daughter and father, but I just think that it was handled very well. Uh, and it worked really well as well for what the film was going for. I really like Kayla, uh, Kaya Saldaro's character. She was really, uh, I suppose, she, she was a great heroine. She really wanted to just, you know, get in and get the job done. She was wanting to go back and get her father, but she also doesn't take any shit. So I really enjoyed that as well. She's a strong character and it was refreshing to see wasn't thrown down your throat that she was a female lead. She's just a, a great character in a movie. So I really enjoyed that. Uh, she had sufficient motivation to save her dad as well. Uh, the conflict is set up really nicely between the two as well. There's a great little scene where she needs to get a phone and ask her dad to keep talking to her because it's making her scared and stressed. Uh, and they start talking and she brings up the fact that, uh, he brings up the fact that she's a swimmer and that she's, holding herself back because of her own thoughts and they start arguing and I thought that was a nice little character set up as well and I liked that they had that, that little argument between the two. Uh, the setting is really fun, like I said, the film has fantastic atmosphere. You feel the destruction of the storm too. Uh, the hurricane really feels like a character in this movie. It's very aggressive and the whole time I thought it was real. It was just very well designed and I really like how aggressive it was. Uh, there's a fantastic sequence, it's a jump scare but it's a natural jump scare which I really enjoyed. Uh, Skaldaro's character is walking through the house looking for a dad and a tree just comes flying through the window. It jolted me back, but I thought, well, they're in the middle of a hurricane, so there's going to be damage, and I actually really enjoyed that. No music or anything either. It just happened, which is really refreshing to see. Um, I really enjoyed the cinematography as well by Maxime uh, Alexandra, who did the cinematogra uh, cinematography for um, Annabelle Creation and Shazam, the David F. Sandberg films. And he seems to have a really good eye for creating these uh, really dark and dingy environments, but also creates a lot of, um, he, he creates great space and it's everything in the environment that feels, that feels real and uh, I suppose very atmospheric. And I really like the way that he uses the camera to capture a lot of the, um, I suppose the, the damage of the storm as well as the, the light shining through when the eye of the storm comes over. He just really understands the environment and that's great direction on Arja's, um, on, from Alexander Arja as well. I think that he does a really good job. Uh, Barry Pepper was fantastic as well. Um, Skaldaro definitely holds the, uh, um, Skaldario, sorry, definitely holds the film together, but 
Barry Pepper has been an actor that a lot of people have given a lot of shit for, and he seems to turn up in a lot of low-budget, um, very supportive character kind of roles. And I think he was really good in this movie. Um, he does cop a lot of shit because of Battlefield Earth, the shitty Scientology movie with John Travolta. He is the human lead in that film. And he does cop a lot of shit because of that. And his performance in that film isn't fantastic, but no one really blames Barry Pepper. Um, the hurricane itself, like I said, it's loud, monstrous, and it's a great timing device. We know that the characters have a set amount of time before they have to get out, um, before the water rises and the floodgates open. And we know that there's gators in there. So I really like that as a, as a time device. And I thought the hurricane was a great character in the film as well. I also really enjoyed the gators themselves. Close-up shots of them, they look fantastic. It's just some of the distant shots and the way that they move the CGI felt very unpolished, which is one of my complaints of the film. But I really enjoyed the design of the characters. Uh, Arja did a wonderful job, actually, in Piranha 3D as well at designing the creatures as, uh, in that film. And I think he does a great job here with the, the creature design as well. It's just some of their placement feels very unnatural and the way they move feels very unnatural. But for the most part, he does a really good job and I enjoy the gators as these, uh, I suppose, as these villainous characters, I guess, in the film, and that they're definitely the the obstacle that has to be overcome. So I really enjoyed that as as well. I, I thought that the gators, yeah, were a really good, uh, really good creature to have in the film. It's something that was a bit more unique. We've seen them in uh, the film Rogue, the Australian crocodile film that came out in 2007. And I just thought it was unique to see it. It's not a shark, it's an alligator. And these people are aware that the alligators are in these environments. And, you know, a hurricane's going to push them, push them to find shelter, I suppose, as well. So, yeah, it made perfect sense. Uh, a few negatives of the film. Like I said, some of the CGI felt very unpolished. And the budget of the film definitely felt like a restriction in certain aspects. Uh, the dialogue of the film as well. Uh, felt very, very cheesy and cliched. Uh, I don't really mind in certain aspects of the film, but some of the dialogue, I'll give an example, felt very, very clunky. Uh, the line in particular that caught my attention was, Barry Pepper says to his daughter, I never thought this is how it would end. Mate, you're stuck in a, a basement during a Category 5 hurricane with crocodiles. No one expects their lives to end like that so dialogue like that it just felt very it was very eye-rolling but again you can you can you know deal with that sort of thing in certain aspects of the film and I I was fine with it but at the same time I was thinking oh Jesus Christ how many times are we going to see dialogue like that in a film like this uh and I, I like I said I don't really have a huge issue with it but it definitely I definitely rolled my eyes in certain aspects uh, there's a few times too when characters sustain horrific injuries and they seem to be able to move past it pretty pretty quickly. Um, Skaldario's, Skaldario's character uh, gets nearly torn apart by a crocodile. Uh, her leg is bitten into, but she seems to be able to move past certain obstacles with ease. It could be the adrenaline, but it also could be an oversight on the director's part as well and you know, we have to get a character from one room to another. How are we going to do that if she's got an injured leg? Um, the adrenaline pushes her through, so who knows? I I don't really mind, but it was definitely noticeable. 
Um, and I also had a few things as well. When the characters... Uh, Barry Pepper loses an arm uh, during the movie. He's lost a lot of blood. He has a complex uh, compound fracture in his leg as well and the bones sticking through the skin. When they're walking through the water, there will be blood everywhere. They say that the rain is masking their movements and vibrations so the gators aren't able to see them when they're out in the, the open. But I'm sure that the gators would be able to sense the blood, surely, if there's blood dripping in the water. I know they're not sharks, but they're apex predators, so I'm pretty sure that they would be able to sense the blood. So they're walking through their water with these horrific injuries. There's no trail of blood or anything. I think there would be. So I know that they've tied up their their injuries to constrict blood flow, but I'm sure that there would still be a little bit in the water and the gators would catch wind of that pretty quickly. But nonetheless, that was a very minor... That <laughs> These are nitpicks. I thoroughly enjoyed this movie and I would definitely recommend going to see it because a lot of people, similar to Fighting With My Family, don't really know about this film. It's a great rainy day thriller. It's just a great movie to just chuck on and watch. I actually can't wait to own it on 4K because I think it'll look fantastic on a TV as well. Um, but I, I really enjoyed watching this movie. My verdict is, Crawl was a delight. The characters were well-defined and sympathetic. Its setting and sense of dread do create some genuine suspense and frightening sequences. With great set design and some thrilling sequences, I had a great time with Crawl. And I'll give it a 7.5 out of 10. So, I wanted to have finished this episode on a little bit of a rant. I uh, The last few times I've been to the cinema, I have endured very strange conditions um i am fine when going to a cinema and having audiences interact with the film i think it creates great atmosphere and it's a whole part of the experience of going to a cinema what i don't enjoy is when people come to a cinema and talk the whole way through it i don't understand why you would pay money to go to a cinema to talk when you could just go to mcdonald's get a sunday and sit there and do the same thing it's very irritating and I think cinema etiquette is something that definitely, I suppose it, it's something a lot of people forget about when they're going to a movie. Like I said, I'm a, definitely a culprit of, I suppose, talking with friends during certain cinematic experiences. Horror movies, for instance. There will be a few horror movies that I'll go and see and I'll make a sly comment or laugh during a sequence I probably shouldn't be laughing at. But it's just what happens. I went and saw Annabelle Comes Home with a Mate a couple of weeks ago, which I should have probably talked about it when I first saw it. Um, I went and saw it in a mildly packed theatre. Um, probably another 20 people there, including myself and my friend. And the movie had already been out for a couple of weeks. So, I, And it's during school holidays here in Australia, in New South Wales. And I think a lot of people were you know, expecting to just see a horror movie and have a bit of fun. There was a group of teenagers sitting behind me directly... And all I heard during the first half of the movie was, Nah, fuck this. Fuck this movie. Nah, nah, fuck this movie. Nah, I'm out. Nah, fuck this movie. It was very irritating. And I I just... A lady, thankfully, turned around and said, Shut up, we're trying to watch the movie. But I just find that when people are talking during a movie, it just really takes me out of it when those comments and stuff are made. Like I said, the occasional sly comment is fine. But sometimes it really is irritating to have someone talking the whole way through the whole way through the movie, having a full-on conversation, like people talking about what they did on the weekend, what they're doing after the movie. Why are you here if you're going to talk through the whole fucking thing? I just don't see the point of it. It just feels like a waste of time and money. And 
people are paying money to go and see a movie and movies aren't cheap uh they in, in my cinema once you get your food and drinks it costs up to 30 35 dollars so i can understand why people would be frustrated and then have that reaction to turn around and say shut up we're watching a movie please be quiet the next time that this sort of thing happened was when i went and saw crawl uh, there wasn't as many people in the cinema when I went and saw this movie. It was a six o'clock showing on a Thursday, which is its first day of release. It was the first showing of it in Tamworth, where I'm from. And there was probably about 14 people in the cinema, I'd say. And it was in the smaller cinema that is at my local theatres, uh, the Forum 6 Cinema in Tamworth, a little plug for them there. And there was a group of people up the back that we're talking at the start uh, when the credits were rolling at the start and I was fine with it because there wasn't a lot going on but I thought these guys better shut up soon hopefully they're finishing up their conversation it was about 10 minutes into the movie and I noticed that one of the people sitting in front the conversation had definitely gotten quieter but you could still faintly hear them and there was a man sitting behind me with his partner I assume and he walked out and later the usher came in and told them to be quiet otherwise they'll be kicked out which was good i like that the there's that prompt action when watching a movie but i just found that it was very frustrating to just sit there watching the movie and just having these people again just talk 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 i just don't understand it just very very frustrating maybe i'm tired and cranky maybe a lot of people don't have this experience like i said i can be uh, a culprit of it so occasionally when I go and see a horror movie and I have a, a slight remark to a mate or something and you know it's under certain circumstances I'm totally fine with it if the movie's been out for a few weeks and you just want to have a bit of fun with a mate have a beer or something at the cinema and joke around watching a terrible movie that's completely fine but and I'm okay when like let's say when I went and saw Avengers Endgame the film was absolutely packed and there was a lot of people, you know, cheering and clapping and and whatnot. And I'm fine with that. It, it adds to the experience and that's something that I have in my mind, I suppose, as a, as a memory after seeing the movie too, was the experience I had watching it. But when it's comments during a movie saying, nah, fuck that, fuck this movie, oh, what a dumb bitch, fuck that. So irritating. Just don't go and watch the movie. Go and go to Macca's, get a Sunday and talk there. I don't know why you're there or if you don't want to be there. It was, yeah. That's my rant. Um, just on cinema etiquette. Yeah, just if you're going to the movie, be mindful of people around you because it can be very irritating. A mild rant, but yes, that, that, is, that is my thoughts on when you're at a movie and you're talking and you shouldn't be talking because it can be very irritating. So that um, brings this week's episode to a close. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast below. It really helps me out. Uh, also, please keep sending the mailbag questions through to ozmoviegeek at outlook.com. Oh, at gmail.com, sorry. That's ozmoviegeek at gmail.com. Uh, I will have a review for The Lion King up very shortly. So please stay tuned for that. And yeah, thank you all for listening. And until next time, beware of the gators. If you're in a basement somewhere and it starts to flood... Make sure there's no crocodiles down there because, yeah, things could get very violent. All right. Peace out, dudes.